0: Welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. We pray that this may be a blessing to you, and God's word would dwell richly within your heart. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen this evening as we continue our walk through the creed we come to the third article on the holy spirit and sanctification and so let us confess this together and its meaning according to the small catechism as we find in our hymnals on pages or on page 323 the third article i believe in the holy spirit The holy christian church the communion of saints the forgiveness of sins the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting amen what does this mean i believe that i cannot by my own reason or strength believe in jesus christ my lord or come to him but the holy spirit has called me by the gospel enlightened me with his gifts sanctified and kept me in the true faith In the same way, he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian Church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian Church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ, This is most certainly true. Tonight we will focus specifically on the person of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Most Holy and Blessed Trinity, of whom we confess in the Nicene Creed, proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified. It is important to remember, as we continue, That all that we can know of the inner nature of God, we can only know from the Holy Scriptures, his revelation to us. From this we learn that there is one divine essence, which is called and which is God, eternal, without body, without parts, of infinite power, wisdom, and goodness, the maker and preserver of all things, visible and invisible, And yet there are three persons of the same essence and power who are co-eternal, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when we say person, we mean not a part or a quality in another, but that which subsists in itself. It is truly a great and wonderful mystery, and we praise and give thanks to God that he has revealed this to us. Thus, when our Lord Jesus speaks to the disciples in our gospel lesson this evening about the sending of the Holy Spirit as another helper, that he may abide with them forever, and says of himself that he is in the Father, and the Father is in him, we can also rightly and likewise say that the Holy Spirit is in the Father and the Son, and the Father and the Son are in the Holy Spirit. We can say this because our Lord is speaking about the essential unity. The Holy Spirit, likewise, is co-equal and co-eternal with the Father and the Son, and so what we say of the Father and the Son in this regard we also say of the Holy Spirit. In our Gospel, our Lord Jesus Christ is speaking to his disciples before his crucifixion and death. This is part of his final teaching before he gives his life as a ransom for us. He says to his disciples, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. In this we see two important and glorious promises to the twelve and to all believers in Christ regarding the Holy Spirit. The first is that the Father will send the Holy Spirit as another helper. The word behind helper is Parakletos, which we sometimes keep untranslated as paraclete, and at other times translate it as comforter or counsellor. A quick look through the, the hymnal, for the Hymns listed under Pentecost will show you that the words helper, Paraclete, comforter, and counselor and the like are all used interchangeably for the Holy Spirit. The word itself comes from a verb meaning to call alongside of, and this helps us see why Jesus used this term when speaking to the disciples. For he himself was going away. He was going to his death. Yes, he would rise again, but after that he would ascend and no longer be with his disciples in the same way that he was before. No longer would he be alongside them to lead them and teach them as he did before. But this was not something for them to be sad about, for our Lord tells them that he will ask the Father, and the Father will send another paraclete to them. Just as before the Father sent his only begotten Son, into the world to save the world, so too would he send the Holy Spirit as another paraclete. As the paraclete, the Holy Spirit would provide a number of benefits to the twelve. The things which the Lord promises his disciples about the Holy Spirit and what he will do for them as the paraclete is, are in this gospel lesson as well as the surrounding chapters, including teaching them and bringing them things that Jesus said that they would remember. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom my Father will send in my name, says Jesus, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all things that I said to you. The Holy Spirit will be instrumental for the disciples in remembering all that Jesus had taught them, so that they could go out into the world and preach the gospel, teach about Jesus, and write the gospels in the other books of the New Testament. So, too, the Holy Spirit will testify to the disciples about Jesus. He will embolden them so that they, too, might testify publicly about him, even in the face of serious and deadly persecution. But when the Helper comes, says our Lord, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you will also bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. He will also guide the disciples into all truth, confirming the things which Jesus had told them, granting them a deep understanding of it, and revealing to them all that the Old Testament scriptures taught concerning the Christ. There was much that our Lord wanted to continue to teach his disciples, but much of what he would say they could not bear just before his death. How many other times during his ministry did he have to say, O you of little faith, or have I been with you so long and you still do not understand? There was much he had yet to teach. And so the Holy Spirit would teach these things to them, and they would then teach these things to the church and commit them to the written word. This will all be to the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, When He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you the things to come. He will glorify Me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you." In these promises we see how much of what the Holy Spirit does is directing us to Jesus Christ, and this he does for all disciples of Jesus, not just for the twelve. He is the Spirit of Truth, as our Lord calls him in our Gospel lesson and throughout the surrounding chapters. Because he is the Spirit of Truth, the world cannot receive him, because the world insofar as it is opposed to Jesus and his message, is opposed to truth. By truth, here, our Lord is not speaking about common facts. It is not that the world is opposed to or cannot arrive at things that are true in this sense. Christians are not the only ones that are able to arrive at 1 plus 1 equals 2 and all other complex mathematics which follow. No, the world is more than capable of comprehending those sorts of truths. But the truth which our Lord is speaking about here is the saving truth. This truth is the message of the gospel. God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, St. Paul writes. God has sent his Son into the world to take on flesh, to take our sins upon himself, to suffer death and to be raised so that those who believe in him may be declared righteous for the sake of Christ and given eternal life and all the blessed gifts and benefits which our Lord has prepared for those who love him. This truth is what our epistle speaks of as the wisdom of God. For he says, We do not speak the wisdom of this age, nor of, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age know. These things cannot be known by the world or arrived at by fallen reason. Instead, these things can only be revealed by the Holy Spirit. God has revealed them to us through his Holy Spirit, St. Paul writes, No one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. These things we also speak, not in words which men's wisdom teaches, but that which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. This is the truth which our Lord Jesus speaks of when he speaks of the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of Truth. The Holy Spirit possesses this truth in himself, but he does not merely possess it. He bears it for the sake of sharing it, and he himself imparts it to those who have been regenerated. All these things cannot be known apart from faith, apart from having been made new by the Holy Spirit. And he does not simply impart these things based on our own preparations to receive them. No, he imparts them through means of word and sacrament. And as great and wonderful as this is, this is not all that Jesus promises in our gospel. He does not only promise that the Holy Spirit will be our paraclete, our helper, our counselor and comforter, but he promises also that through the Holy Spirit we will have union with God. This union with the Father and the Son that we have through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit we call the mystical union. And this is how our Lord promises it to his disciples. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, and he, that he may abide with you forever. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. You will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. First, we see that this promise is given to those who love Jesus and keep his commandments. This he says twice, in two different ways. Love, which is the deep devotion, adoration, and commitment to him alone above all else. What is left unstated, but of course is understood, and is in fact necessary, is that this love which ever grows and advances is preceded by faith. For how can one love God if one does not believe in him or trust him? No, there cannot be love without faith. Love flows out of faith not only to our neighbor, but also to God. And who, loving Jesus, would not also desire to keep his commandments? Commandments not in the sense of the old covenant, but those things which our Lord has given to his church, the precepts which he lays upon her. And how could we not desire to keep them? How could we not cherish and guard them, hold them as a treasure, and keep others from violating them? These things are all kept within the word which Jesus uses for keep. And what are these precepts? That we faithfully preach concerning Christ, and that we hear such preaching, that we receive his word and sacraments, that we love one another for his sake, and that we seek unity in the true doctrine of Christ— that we willingly endure suffering for his sake. These are the precepts that our Lord has laid upon his church, and they are not burdensome, but they are easy, light, and a joy to all who love him. The keeping of these are not out of a desire to be justified, for through faith we have already received justification by his grace. No, the keeping of these comes from love. For the one who keeps his commandments is the one who loves him. And the one who loves him keeps his commandments because of that love. And what a great promise there is to those who love him. The Holy Spirit will be in you. Yes, a great gift and promise. That the Holy Spirit who is with us will not only be with us, but in us. In us, meaning a spiritual union within our heart and very soul. What an indescribable gift it is to be united to the Holy Spirit in this mystical union. Through this, the Holy Spirit dwells in us, molds and changes our hearts and minds, and creates within us the mind of Christ. He sanctifies us, changes us, grants us good motives and inclinations. Indeed, all true faith, love, obedience, and delight in God and his word come from the Holy Spirit's indwelling and his work in us and through his holy word. But there is even more here in this promise, for through union with the Holy Spirit we also have union with the Father and with the Son. This too our Lord promises in our gospel, saying, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. And later adding, At that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me, And I in you. The Lord Jesus is promising that through union with the Holy Spirit, we will also have union with Him and with the Father. All this He told to His disciples before He was crucified, so that they would know that even when He is going to be killed and taken away from them, He would not leave them as orphans, He would not leave them bereft of Him. Before his death and resurrection, our Lord Jesus was with his disciples in his humility. But after his resurrection, and coinciding with the pouring out of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, he would be present with them spiritually, present with them in all of his divine attributes. On Pentecost he came to them again. On that day they knew that Jesus is true God— that he is in the Father, and the Father is in him. They also learned through the Spirit's manifestation and power that he is also in them, and they are in him, so that they are not left as orphans, but have the presence of Jesus with them. And while the miracles of that day are singular, the Holy Spirit continues to work in power and grace through the word and sacraments. He continues to dwell with us, and indeed in us, so that through the spiritual union, the Father and the Son make their home within us. May our Lord grant us steadfast faith, that we always love him and keep his commandments, and may he ever increase in us our, the joy of our union with the one God, who is blessed forever, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who was and is and ever shall be. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit bless and preserve you always. Amen.